The National Science Foundation, like many federal agencies recently announced or maybe pronounced, upcoming telework changes for its employees. That means less of it. Now the American Federation of Government Employees is calling on the agency to take a step back from those plans. That's after a union-conducted survey found that a majority of NSF employees are concerned about going back to the office more often. Some threaten to leave if these plans are implemented. Here with the latest, Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. And Drew, what are those plans specifically? What was NSF actually asking people to do? NSF is saying that employees, both telework-eligible employees that are in the bargaining unit for AFGE as well as IPA employees are going to have to come into the office four days per two-week pay period. That's going to start in late October. The agency announced last month and That is also taking place at agency headquarters for NSF. And of course, as you said, NSF isn't necessarily unique in in their announcement to return employees to the office, but they are getting a little more pushback from their union than what we've seen from a lot of other agencies here. All right. And what exactly is AFGE pushing back against? What is it they don't like here? What happened initially in July after NSF leadership made the announcement was that AFGE pushed back to say that that announcement was made for their bargaining unit employees prior to completing union negotiations. AFGE, the local chapter there, did have a handful of informal discussions with management about telework changes and potential changes to those flexibilities. But they said that the uh, agency went forward with the plans without completing negotiations. In response to that, AFGE conducted a survey of NSF employees after that announcement to hear more and kind of collected a lot of data to see, you know, how are employees actually feeling about this? And the results were actually pretty telling. What were the results? We don't want to come back. Generally, yes, but there were a couple surprises in there as well. So a majority of respondents said that the current requirements of working in the office two days per pay period, that's what NSF has right now, as well as many other agencies, that's kind of been the standard operating model for several months or or even longer. They said that current setup works well, they can adjust to it. But if it were to increase to the four day per pay period, as NSF is planning, about 40% said that they would have trouble adjusting. And about 25%, so about a quarter of employees, said that level of in-office expectations would be, quote, unworkable. So there is this pushback that we are seeing from NSF employees. Um, Again, this is something that it's not necessarily unique to NSF. This is a feeling of federal employees. But interestingly, in the results of this AFG survey as well, not everyone said necessarily that going back to the office more often was a bad thing. There was a small minority who said that going back to the office more often would actually be their preference or, you know, they understand that there has to be this kind of flexibility back and forth. It's a hybrid workforce, but they want the time that they spend in the office to be more meaningful. And that's kind of what the the crux of this OMB memo, which is what's pushing a lot of agencies toward this return to office is, is calling for is, you know, It's not just being on Teams meetings or Zoom meetings in the office, but, you know, let's have a real reason to to be there together in person. And that's what they're going for. Jesus Soriano, who's president of AFGE Local 3403, who represents NSF employees, explained what he hopes NSF will take away from the survey results. It is our hope that once management learns the reality where the NSF employees are, their posture will be more realistic. One size fits all is not a policy that protects the mission of NSF. The agency is at a crossroads. NSF has a choice to make. 
do become better, stronger, more efficient by applying the lessons learned and all the efficiencies we've gained through hybrid work models, telework, remote, flexibilities? Or do we go backwards? Well, when you put it that way, it doesn't leave much of a choice. So you've got this ballet going on here, NSF putting out a policy, the AFGE responding with a survey. What did the NSF respond to when AFGE presented the survey results? They said that they do deeply value and appreciate employee feedback, but at this time, they're not planning to make any changes to that return to office announcement that they made in July. They're going to carry it forward to implement in October, but they did emphasize that they want to maintain flexibility for employees wherever possible, and that's something that they're going to continue to look into. Uh, They said they will also try to continue to collaborate with AFGE, with that uh, local chapter for NSF employees to make sure that, you know, people are happy with the the way things are going. That's, That's kind of their goal at the end of the day here. Yeah, I mean, four days out of a work period in the office means six days you're not there. So that seems like an enormous amount of flexibility. They're not saying you have to be here Tuesday and Wednesday every week, just two days out of the 10. You could go, you could do Monday through Thursday for one pay period, and then you're done. You get six days off, not off, six days at home or wherever, or you could do the Monday and Friday and Monday and Friday. I mean, there's limitless combinations here. No, that is an interesting point. And to just add to that for a moment, you know, NSF hasn't specifically said how they're going to lay it out, but a lot of agencies have kind of focused on this emphasis of whatever the days in the office are should line up among employees. So they've talked about a lot of them having core days in the office. So let's say, for example, every Wednesday, that's when you should plan, you know, in-person meetings, training sessions, et cetera. So that employees, you know, it makes sense for them to be in the office. I think that's kind of the emphasis. Again, this is not something that NSF has specifically alluded to, but other agencies have have talked about this idea of core days and meaningful in-person work. And as of a couple of weeks ago, about nine agencies out of, I don't know how many scores of them that were supposed to be doing this, the cabinet agencies, the large independent agencies, et cetera, were supposed to have plans. They didn't. And then the White House Chief of Staff, Jeff Zients, sent out his little harsher memo. What's happened since then? I mean, NSF is not the only agency implementing these telework changes, but a lot of them still haven't. It's hard to say exactly because not every agency has made their plans public, but the ones that have, we are seeing a lot of this push coming in September and October. That memo from the White House that you're referring to, he talked about aggressively executing return to office plans starting in next month in September and going through October. So not every agency has publicly said this is what our return to office plan is, but the ones who have, many of them are taking effect as early as next month. So this is coming up very quickly for agencies, and it's not just NSF. Yeah, that's a great phrase with two edges. The agencies will aggressively execute their plans, and then the unions will aggressively execute the plans. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And be sure to check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees, joined Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to share how his upbringing in rural Alabama eventually propelled him to the forefront of thousands of union members raising a collective voice. After years of leadership with both the largest federal employee union and as a pastor, Everett Kelly reflects on his deep-rooted values of integrity and hard work. Hello. 
and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today I'm joined by Mr. Everett Kelly, National President of the American Federation of Government Employees. Everett, welcome and thank you for being here. Shane, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's mine. You first joined AFGE in 1981 during what eventually became your 30 years of service at Anniston Army Depot. We're now more than 40 years past 1981, and you've been the union's national president since 2020. How's your decades-long involvement with AFGE impacted the way you view your role now as the union's leader? The time that I spent as local president, I simultaneously spent that same time as a pastor in Alabama. I like to say that this was my training ground because as I was entering into the role of unionism, I was also entering into ministry. And so I see my role, even as the union leader, as ministry. It's never an understatement because this is what I believe. I believe that if you love people and show people that you love them, people will follow you. My business is in the business of growing people. Uh, and that's what I do. And, that, and I think that my training as a pastor and as a union uh, leader has given me the ability to really, you know, uh, grow people because I feel like that, you know, it's my responsibility both as a union leader and as a pastor to ensure that people have a liberal wage. It's also uh, my responsibility to ensure that people are treated fair with dignity and respect on the job. And I think that goes in both uh, arena. So, so I've seen this, you know, as ministry, as I've grown through the four decades of leading people. Putting those two together is amazing. AFGE handles a massive array of issues and topics of importance to feds across many departments and agencies. What is it like being at the forefront of all those moving parts and how do you manage it all? Well, first of all, let me give kudos to my staff. Okay. Uh, because it's just no way that I could manage all of this work and all the moving parts by myself. But I have an excellent staff that always makes sure that I'm prepared and that I'm ready. But it's exciting. It's exciting to be out in the forefront, you know, uh, bringing people to the realization that they have something to fight for. But again, I cannot and please understand, when I say I cannot, it's, it's, it's what I truly believe. I cannot do it without a good, strong staff. Uh, and I tell anybody that, but I enjoy fighting for the cause. I enjoy standing in front of a group of ALG members, calling them to action, and then standing back and watching that action come to fruition. Because I know that I'm not the one that's doing it, okay? They are the one that's doing it. I'm merely casting a vision. Right. And I enjoy casting that vision and then watching that vision come to fruition. And it's the staff and the members that get that done. As CEO at, at WEPA, I completely and totally understand that we rely on them. It's not Absolutely. just nice to have. We rely on. Absolutely. Them. As AFGE president, you often speak at union rallies and other events widely attended by federal employees. What's it like to experience that direct connection to employees? And how does that influence your leadership style? You know, that gets me excited, okay? To be standing in front of a group of AFGE leaders get me excited. To hear the words, who are we, 
and the chants that come back that says AFGE gets me excited. It gets my motor uh, running, if you will. And it's exciting to look at them and see the motivation in their faces when they're fighting for a cause. And, and, and all of us come together and fight uh, in solidarity, fight as one, raise one voice. You can't explain the feeling. You just know that it's right. You know, I just know that it's right when I'm standing there and I feel this. And I never fail to say thank you again because I'm the one that merely casts division. They are the ones that get the work done. And so when I see them out there ready to go and that call to action goes out, and then I see them really begin to march on that uh, initiative. It's an energy that I cannot explain. I can explain it. I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> um, th- th- describe how your personal background and upbringing folds into how you function as a leader. You know, understanding that I was born in the Deep South. I was born in a little small town in Goodwater, Alabama, population 1,292 today. Born to parents that, and I hope I don't offend anybody, and I've got to quit saying this, but, but I was born to a set of parents that, believed and trusted in God. And that began to establish who I was. I began to trust God myself in everything that I do. I I trust God even in this situation as a union leader because my parents taught me to believe in uh, the Bible. And with that came do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. In other words, treat people right. Treat people with respect, right? Do what's right. It taught me, you know, about integrity, right? It taught me about being honest, you know, and that's what's needed in the role of a leader of this union. It's it's needed, uh, and, you know, I try to portray that. I try to portray a person of honesty and a person of integrity. And so being in the Deep South, you know, you you, you just learn those things, and that's what has helped me uh, throughout my path as a union leader. And it's always nice that whole approach because you don't have multiple approaches with different people or different sets of different tasks, different energy. It's it's always straightforward, yes. honest. Here's the truth. Yes. And it, it's it's easy. Yes. Right? Yes. It's a lot easier than having multiple personas. Absolutely. You, yeah. Absolutely. What's one piece of advice if you could go back and tell yourself when you were starting your career? You know, I don't know you're asking for one, but I'm, I'm going to have to elaborate on two, yeah, if that's yeah. okay. Number one, I would explain the urgency of integrity a lot sooner than what I did, right? Because to me, integrity is not necessarily what you see others do or what others see you do, but integrity to me is what you do even when no one is looking. And so I, I would really begin to stress that importance more so at an earlier state in my leadership role rather than the latter part. Okay, I begin to stress that more now, but I wish I had began to do that more at the earlier states in my uh, role. Secondly, I would tell myself to always, and I'm going back to my roots, always work hard and don't ever accept no as an answer, right? Because I just believe that if you want it, bad enough. If you want to achieve it, you can. It's all about the amount of work you put into it, right? And the and the amount of faith you have that it can be accomplished. 
So when I look at AFGE and its membership and where we were four or five years ago and where we are today, that's a reminder that you can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and work hard enough. And one question that's always kind of interesting at, at the end of our time together is, is there one person, you mentioned your parents before, mm-hmm. um, is there one person or maybe more than one who really inspired you when you were younger that you might even think back on today? It was my grandmother, you know, with the understanding that when and when I was born, right, as I said, I was born in the Deep South. My father worked extremely hard. We didn't have a whole lot. You know, my, I had 12 siblings. And so when I was born, I was very sick. As a matter of fact, the doctor said I wouldn't live to be 16 years old. The doctor said I wouldn't ever hold a job. But my grandmother would always teach me how to pray. And she taught me about faith. And it is prayer and faith that has allowed me to be standing here today. Suppose I've been dead 50 years ago, but I'm 66 years old now. And it's all because of my faith and my belief and my prayer life. And I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amazing story. Thank you for sharing all of it with us, Everett. And really appreciate you being on the show today. Pleasure is mine. And this is Shane Canfield. We'll see you next time on Lessons in Leadership. Find the full podcast and future episodes of Lessons in Leadership on the Federal News Network app and anywhere you enjoy your podcasts.